I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And you're listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. And we're going to keep the train rolling. We've, we've started our top 100 list from 100 to 96 uh, two episodes ago. And today we're going to keep it going from 96 to 91. It's the final countdown. The final countdown. What is it the final countdown of? From 96 to 91. I know, I know last episode you said we were just going to do all of them. But who has that kind of time? Clearly not us. So. Plus, we we wouldn't be able to show any respect to these games that they deserve. Unless the podcast was, I don't know, 32 hours long. Uh-huh. Which some people may enjoy. Probably have to be Cross-country long. road trip. Yeah. Useful podcast. Exactly. See? Can happen. But, but they can always just use the playlist option. That's what I would suggest. Either way, it's a win-win. That's right. Hey, you know what, Buck? I'm going to go ahead and start us off this week. Man, we're just jumping in. We we are jumping in. I guess we can reiterate for anyone who hasn't, you know, hasn't watched the the first episode in the series. Disclaimer: This is me and Buck's top hundred favorite games of all time. We each have our own list of a hundred. We're going to go through them five at a time in each episode, and these are our favorites. Not so much the most influential, not the quote unquote best games of all time, according to, I don't know, the Internet. Yeah, we're not going by Metacritic standards here. That's for sure. That's right. I'm not even sure Metacritic has scores on some of these games, but I could be wrong. It definitely doesn't. I'm probably it guarantee it doesn't. on the first one I'm going to talk about. So. Well, thank God for game FAQs, because we could at least use that. All right, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and get started. This is my uh, this is my 95 spot. Number 95. And that's going to go to uh, a treasured classic. Do you get it? You yeah, get it. it's made by treasure. I got that much. <laughs> treasured classic. And that's going to be a Radiant Silver Gun. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was kind of surprised it was it was on this list. I, it wasn't one of the ones that I initially thought about. When I was going through, you know, shooters aren't usually uh, my favorite genre, but I really appreciate a good one from time to time. They're a they're a nice little afternoon killer. And when I really want a a challenging experience that I I tend to lean towards them. But Radiant Silver Gun just has a lot of very cool elements that I appreciate. And just another one of, of Treasure's finest titles that they put out, even though for the most part, they they couldn't do any wrong in their day. They really couldn't. They're one of the. I'm assuming they went out of business just because I haven't heard anything from them forever. But they were one of my favorite developers in the 90s to mid 2000s. Yeah, I don't even know the last game they put out. I don't think it was Gunstar Superheroes. There had to be one after that. I feel like Astro Boy Omega Factor is right around that time period too. It was. You know, yeah. Did I they die that. off in the Game Boy Advance era? That'd they be really disappointing. Have. Well, they may have had a part in the the Xbox Live Arcade re-release of Radiant Silver Gun because originally it was only in arcades in uh, Sega Saturn. And uh, I know you and I we we spent many a night playing this game a- after it got released. And let me tell you, this is a hard, hard game. I'd if actually argue, I'd actually argue that this makes its what do I want to call it sequel. Well, is it a sequel or is it a? Uh, I feel like it's a sequel. It came out afterwards and it uses the same mechanics. So, uh, Oh, well, the title Almost we're talking about is Ikaruga. Yes. 
<laughs> and I'd say Ikaruga is, I mean, they got, they do have different mechanics. Some of them, uh, some of them are the same, but I'd say it's Ikaruga is a little bit simpler of a game. I don't know if it's simpler. It's, I think it's a little bit easier. That's not to say it's not really difficult. Yeah, they're both they're both very challenging. So if any you remember right too though, when we when me and you played it, we cranked up the difficulty to the max difficulty too, just to be gluttons for punishment. Oh, I don't remember doing that. If we did that, that that explains why we couldn't get past the second level. Yeah, we it was a it took us hours to get to the second level. Yeah, we maxed out the difficulty for whatever reason. We thought that'd be a great idea. Yeah, we maxed out the difficulty. We maxed out our our weapons levels. And I remember we were still having a heck of a time with it. Good time. Yeah, I mean, the the kind of cool features that Radiant Silvergun brings to the the shmup genre, and I should state that it is a it is a vertical shmup. That's an important distinction, whether you prefer horizontal or vertical. What it brought to the table was this kind of very cool weapon system where you had access to three different weapons like a your your regular like Vulcan shot, a homing shot and a spread shot, pretty typical uh shooter fare. But what you could also do is on the fly uh combine them into three other uh different shot patterns which which made them uh useful in very specific scenarios which gave you very unique ways to go go about and approach different situations. And the game did a really good job of creating uh, a really interesting flow through the levels that really made you switch up your game plan uh, from moment to moment. So you had those six different weapons, and then you also had uh, your radiant sword, which was kind of like almost like a melee weapon for your ship, and it allowed you to absorb. Uh, you could absorb enemy bullets, I believe it was, and you could power up your your like super bomb or whatever, which was your. Uh, I don't know if it was like. Also, your radiant sword, whatever. Yeah, it was like a, a mixture of like a huge sword and kind of like a windshield wiper because it would get rid of all the bullets and everything in your way. Yeah, and it gave you a little bit of invulnerability. So strategic use of it was uh, the name of the game. Yeah, because that was done. That was on like the right stick, wasn't it? I want to say at least on the mm -hmm. Xbox version we played. The sword was, yeah, you rotated yeah. it around your ship to pick up the, uh, the enemy bullets. Yeah, so strategic use of of the sword and kind of putting yourself at risk to collect this power for strategic moments was also part of it. And also while you were defeating enemies, you were gaining experience for your three different weapon types and they'd level up. And I think they'd each one would go up to like, I don't know, level 33 or something. And it would power up uh, those particular weapons. And then it would also power up your sword, the combined level of all of them. So there was a little bit of uh, progression. So like even after you died, You'd get to keep that, so you'd get a little bit stronger for your next run. Yeah, kind of like a, a roguelite almost, except with a a shmup version of it. So you get a little bit, like you said, out of every run, you get a little bit better, a little bit stronger, a little bit smarter. Starting to sound like a Kanye West song, but <laughs> you do get you benefit from each run. I'll say that. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm really glad they re-released it on the Xbox. Especially There's the no way we God, that was like otherwise. a that was a golden time, getting to replay some classics on there. Yeah, Xbox Live Arcade, the the mid to late two thousands was a gold mine. Yeah, it made the three sixty for me. I don't think I ever would have played my three sixty without it. <laughs> you wouldn't have. And it won't. This won't be the last title 
uh, on no, this list for sure. I got I got a few more. I got at least one coming up. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, Radiant Silver Gun, pretty awesome. If you if you can get a hold of it uh, on Xbox Live, go for it. I think it's only like I don't know, maybe fifteen bucks. I'm not really sure. I don't remember. It's been a while. I don't even know if it's up. that much anymore. It may not be, and I'm sure it probably goes on sale. Like I said, I haven't been on Xbox uh, Live in a really long time. But uh, I'm sure you is, can... on, uh, on Xbox Live too. At least if you have an Xbox One now, almost everything is uh, backwards compatible. I mean, whatever you want to call it, that you can use pretty much all the same Xbox Live games. Like I can still play uh, Hardcore Uprising and stuff on there, and a lot of the 360, uh, you know, Xbox Live arcade games like uh, Radiant Silver Gun, Ikaruga, all those you can still play on the Xbox One, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I hope they I hope they continue that even into the next console generation. At least having that bit of backwards compatibility and, you know, like the investment uh, of your money into those titles. uh, That's nice. Nintendo, get on that. Seriously. But also, uh, keep in mind, this game was for one and two players. So definitely a very cool co-op experience. I would suggest doing that, but it's also cool one player. So, Buck, what's your next title? Well, the, the first one on the list today, and I believe it's, yeah, number 95. I don't know if you played, I know me and you played at least a little bit. I don't think you have a whole lot of experience with it overall. But it's for the Sega Genesis, and it's a Dashing Desperados. I have played it a little bit with you, but not a whole lot of experience. <laughs> and I, I can't say I remember a whole lot. I just remember, what was it, a side-scrolling, almost racing game? Racing platformer? Yeah. Exactly, that's... Pretty much okay. the way I describe it by a good old Data East, who I don't even think exists anymore. I could be wrong. Oh boy, that's a good question. <laughs> we got two developers so far that I don't think are even doing anything these days. <laughs> They're starting at our list, but yeah, Dash and Desperados. So basically, the premise is it's two players and it's split screen. So you know, player one's up top, player two's on the bottom. You're trying to get to the girl at the end of the level and you will go through an entire level of, I don't know, like you said, basically platforming and you'll, you'll throw hazard at each other. You'll get power ups to try and uh, stop the other player, whether you set them on fire, electrocute them, whatever the case is, you got to basically run left and right, left to right to the exit to get to the girl. So she kisses you and you win the race. Yeah. A good point of reference would be uh, like multiplayer Sonic. Except for more. More kind of battle. Interact- interactivity between. Yes. Yeah, more like a so it's kind of like a Sonic game mixed with like a puzzle game where you you do kind of mess with your opponent, which is definitely preferred. Yeah, which definitely gets the fun out of because I'm not a huge fan of multi. I'm just not a huge fan of Sonic in general, but multiplayer Sonic. But yeah, because there was no interactivity, you're basically just racing and just going through the level as fast as you could. This you're constantly going through obstacles trying to. Like you start every level with a bomb and then you upgrade it throughout the level. Like I said, whether you get fire, ice, electricity, whatever the case may be. And then they throw different, um, there's different continents and stuff that you race on. So there might be, you know, a world of ice. There might be one with like Mega Man style blocks that disappear, which is, is super annoying. And then there'll be a shortcut through races. It's just really fun. It's one of those where you keep picking it back up like one more game. Let's go again. Best of five. Yeah, it is pretty. It is a pretty fun game. I'm actually kind of surprised that there's not more games like that. I bet if we kind of looked looked into the indie scene, there's probably quite a few now. 
there could be probably in the good old switch eShop. switch eShop, i'm sure steam's got a few but <laughs> that's i true. that's not a game that never became a series as far as i know no they did have i believe there's one other like an arcade title in the series but then ended up being just like i think a two-player kind of a action adventure style beat em up almost instead of a a Dash and Desperado style game. You say, well, that's not at all the same. Was not it any really. good, or did you play it? I don't think I ever played it. I think I tried to download the ROM and didn't get it to work for whatever reason. So I think I just kind of gave it up, gave up on it. Ah, frustrating. The good old ROM community. Although the uh, arcade MAME ROMs are pretty decent, but oh, agreed. Come on, guys. Yeah, Dash- Dashing Desperados. Wow, that's I totally forgot about that one. It's a, it's a deep dive there but one i want to give some love to and i put a lot of hours in especially in the the mid 90s we me and my brother roy rented that game i don't know how many times there were some epic competitions back in the day on dash and desperados and and just to throw this out there this is one of the sega genesis games that you definitely don't see on any of these collections that are getting released this is a if you don't have the physical game which i'm sure is actually pretty pricey at this point but i'm not for sure I think it's like 30 or 40 bucks. I got, I bought it a few years ago because I didn't have it. And I was like, I need to get it. And I think I spent like 35, 40 bucks on it. So yeah, it's, it's pretty pricey for a, I mean, it's complete, which is nice, but yeah, not cheap. Yeah. But other than that, I think really your only option is, is ROM or a, a bootleg Sega Genesis at this point. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Cause there's no shot of that coming out on the Genesis collection, which we already know the games, but. That wasn't going to be in the discussion anyway. It was disappointing because I think that would be a cool addition, especially since, you know, that's a that's a fun two player experience for sure. Yeah. And it would give, you know, give it a little bit of limelight that I don't feel like it ever had back in the day. Yeah. And I think I think it's always good for those consoles to have, you know, just a few kind of outlier games that people may not specifically remember from the console that are still quality experiences i think that uh, definitely adds value for not only like people like you and me who are nostalgic for some of those but uh new people who are coming back to the console or new people getting to enjoy the sega genesis getting some of those unique experiences but also older players who had the console they're buying it again and they're like oh i didn't know this was ever on the console none of my friends had it that's very true yeah but, you know, that's just my two cents on it. But definitely a cool game. Oh, definitely. What you got for the next one? Oh, boy. Let's see here. <laughs> so my next one is a uh, PC action RPG. Not Diablo, but uh, Torchlight 2. Oh, I thought you were going to... I was going to guess Dungeon Fighter. <laughs> Dungeon Fighter's a good one. But this is this spotlight is for Torchlight 2. Torchlight 2 uh, is a, an action RPG that came out, uh, I think it was like 2012, by Runic Games, and it was pretty much PC exclusive until I think it, actually I think it's, Torchlight 2 may still be PC exclusive, I don't know if it got an Xbox release at this point. I don't think so. I know I'm... that the original did, but I don't know if Torchlight 2 did. I'd have to I'd have to look into that a little bit more. Uh, the biggest reason why it may not have is Torchlight 2 actually has kind of like a built-in modding uh, system where there's a lot of uh, player-driven content, new classes, um, new weapons. Uh, I don't know if they did levels specifically, but uh, Torchlight 2 was a very like light-hearted, kind of cartoony 
take on the Diablo Titan Quest action RPG. More of a trying to be a little bit more modern, but still sticking to the roots of what made those games great. And this came out um, around the same time that Diablo 3 did. So this was kind of a direct competitor. And a lot of people who missed some of the more more interesting elements of, of Diablo 2 and older uh, action RPGs, like the applying uh, stat points and you know putting your points into permanent skill upgrades... Forcelight 2 delivered on that, whereas Diablo 2 allowed you to just kind of switch between builds on a whim, uh, which a lot of more hardcore ARPG players didn't quite appreciate. And Buck, did you ever get a chance to play this one? No, no I didn't. Didn't get a chance. To, I can't really speak too much on this because I never got a chance to play it, period. Oh, that's okay. That, that's not a big deal. I played this I played this a lot with one of my buddies, and uh, we played quite a bit of it. Uh, definitely not as much as I ever played the Diablo series, but it's definitely got some some interesting uh, classes and uh, interesting ways to build your characters. I can't say there's a, a ton of really unique things about the game itself, and I think that was one of the criticisms uh, about the fact that it was, you know, this next-gen action RPG. There just wasn't a lot of unique things to it, but it, it kind of polished and kind of gave gamers at that time what they wanted that Diablo 3 was not. And I think that's why it uh, it did very well, at least in that time. I feel like it's not talked about a whole lot, but there is a, a new one uh, coming out. I think it's supposed to come out at the end of the year, maybe early next year, and that's Torchlight Frontiers, which is oh, nice. an ARPG MMO. We'll see how that goes. Um, it's an yeah, MMO? It, 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 it's an MMO slash action RPG. So they're trying to combine the two. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. Hmm. So, so yeah, I don't I don't know how that exper- experiment's going to turn out. But other you know other companies have done it to uh, some decent effects. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But if you're looking you know just for like a lighthearted action RPG that you know if you wanted to like introduce like your kids to the series, it may be a little bit better than doing it to Diablo two with all of the kind of you know the the darker characters the more grotesque (laughs) environments yeah absolutely torchlight 2 is is good for that plus it's just a really solid game and it's uh it's easy to pick um, up and play you mentioned customization too so is it like customizable to the point of like path of exile customization no nothing is that customizable (laughs) uh no so uh, the custom the, the customization is is kind of just hey you leveled up here's some stat points kind of figure out what you want your character to be good at. And then here's also like a skill point or two. And you have, you know, your three skill trees per class and you pick what skills you want. And uh, the more points you put in, you unlock tiers for those skills and they become stronger, get new, uh, get new functions and things of that nature. Uh, And outside of the, obviously the equipment you pick up, it's more like your average action RPG as far as customization goes. (laughs) But yeah, it's a, it's a solid title. And one that I I definitely go back to from time to time because it's it, it's not the it's not the longest game in the world, but it does have uh, a little bit of an end game. You gotta hunt that loot. How many hours are you talking? Oh, probably not nearly as many as you would think. I'd, I'd say probably between eighty and hundred hours. This was this was a game that I, did, I wasn't like an altaholic on either. I just kind of stuck with one class. Uh, me and my buddy That's played through great. it. We, we went to the end game. We maxed out our characters. 
for an action RPG, uh, it's it doesn't actually take that long to uh, max out your character's level. So, I mean, it's not like Diablo three where it only it can only take like three hours at this point. But but I, I had a I had a really good time with it. Yeah, I didn't think it'd be like Diablo where it's like. Is it set up like Diablo where it's just a race to the end, basically? A race to end game? Well, that yeah, that's Diablo 3 is a, is a race to the end game, for sure. And it w- it wasn't always like that, but it certainly is now. No, it's not a race to the end game. I think there's uh, two or three different difficulties that you run through. And once you get to the end of the game, I it's very much like Path of Exile's end game, where they have a a mapping system where it kind of just generates random levels with different, uh, you know, enemy varieties and different uh, buffs and uh, detriments to your character. And depending upon how easy or hard it is, you get better loot and things like that. But it's definitely, if you're coming out of Path of Exile expecting a lot of depth, don't. Just look at it as just kind of a nice, um, a nice vacation from maybe your main action RPG. A nice change. Okay, so just a fun, you know, side quest. A fun side quest may be a good way to put it. I mean, there, there's obviously plenty of uh, of strategy and, you know, plenty of equipment with 50 different stats on it or whatever for you to sink your teeth into and make different builds and things like that. But uh, it definitely is a little bit more casual friendly of an action RPG for sure. I mean, that I got no problem with that. Sometimes it takes a lot of hours, especially it seems like you know, Path of Exile is a, a big commitment uh, to get ridiculously buff. It is, and they want you to—they want you to play in cycles of like three months. They want you to do the new season, and that's—I mean—that's how they designed the game. They want it to be be able to be played forever. Is their uh, their their motto for the game? That's how they designed it. So, in that way, it's much different than Torchlight Two. But Torchlight Two does have that uh, that modding scene, so they have. Uh, released, you know, like extra classes and things like that, that uh, Runic Games didn't actually put into the to the title. And some of those are fun. Some of those are totally broken. It's just it's just one of those things that if, if you like the game and you want some more, it's there and it's free. And nothing wrong with free. We don't get that enough these days. Heck no. Except for pay to win games. Gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Buck, that's enough on Torchlight 2. What else you got? Well, I'm going to go back to a good old fighting game that came out, and I want to say probably 96, 97-ish. And I played played it on the, the PS1. I think it may have came out on Saturn, too, but I don't don't know that for sure. And it's kind of a, a culmination, really, of all the, the Mortal Kombats that happened back in the day, and that's going to be Mortal Kombat Trilogy. That is a good one. Did you, uh, did you play that very much? I know we didn't play it a lot together. I played it on like before our I played it on SNES. I played it on SNES. Ultimate MK3. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. Okay. It's not. Then, there's uh, not quite as many characters in that as there is trilogy. They basically um, threw in a few extras in trilogy, like you have all the ninjas and their cyborgs and regular skins and stuff like that is it was every character that had been put in a mortal kombat game up to that point was in mortal kombat trilogy which was trilogy like a turbo edition it's like a turbo championship super arcade edition cool (laughs) it has every character from mortal kombat one through three and all the you know ultimate mk3 and all the different iterations of it yeah that i'm not sure i actually played that one but i have played my fair share of mortal kombat games Yes. 
And this is trilogy is the best one in my opinion. I mean, hands down. As far as there's a character for everybody, there must be you know forty five, fifty characters. A and big roster is great, especially back then when we didn't care about balance. Yeah, and I, well, I still don't never care about balance competitively. <laughs> so, but uh, me and my brother back in the day, and a couple uh, friends we just grew up with that lived close to us there, we would all play, especially Mortal Kombat two and three to death and. I think my brother eventually bought one of the the guides so we get all the fatalities and stuff because the internet wasn't really a thing in like you know ninety four ninety five. That's money well and spent though. It, it was money well spent, and I I remember too that movies and more, which was like the local video store in our town. Like Mortal Kombat two was such a hot ticket that the dude that owned it, you know, held it back for like six seven year old buck, so he could go in there and rent it eventually. Nice. Which, Good on you, dude, at movies and more. But yeah, Mortal Kombat Trilogy was just kind of the, the penultimate edition of all the 2D Mortal Kombats, and then the Mortal Kombat 4 came out after that, and the series kind of kind of died. Until it came back with the 2011, you know, Mortal Kombat. But yeah, Trilogy was an, an awesome game with ridiculous amounts of content, which is kind of the... It was the Smash Ultimate of its time for Mortal Kombat. It's a good way to describe it. Yeah, it definitely it definitely kind of, in my opinion, maybe not in the gameplay department, but definitely in the just the swath of characters that you could uh, play as in that game. It definitely kind of gave the middle finger to the Street Fighter series because having that many characters in a game at that point was unheard of. Yeah, it was just it was, you know, fan service at its finest. It was fan service for days. They were doing everything that people wanted. They literally threw. I mean, it was kind of like Marvel vs. Capcom 2, where they took like every asset they had, period, up to that point and threw it in the game. Man, if we had that now, the way we do, Mujin's great. <laughs> yes, Mujin is great. And yeah, you could even do like a like tag team in in a Mortal Kombat trilogy. It was not very not good like it is in the Marvel games, but it was still like a tag team component. And what, yeah, was it kind of was it more like King of Fighters? Where you had yeah, like, you was, just had team battle, one of your characters died, the next one came in. Yeah, it was almost exactly like King of Fighters. They would literally the last hit, you'd see him like basically disappear off the side of the screen. Then a new guy would do his little, you know, jumping somersault into the match, and you just keep going. Uh, see, that's that's way better than the team battles in Street Fighter because I think what didn't they kind of have to like load the next match? In between, yeah, and it, it was literally you, the person would gain a little bit of life back, and then you would just load up for a new fight. Yeah, didn't like that as much. That's cool. Clearly, I need to play this one. You do. I think you would. You'd probably enjoy it. I just, you, I still hate the block button. Yeah, you know, Mortal Kombat was never, never one of my favorites, even back then. Um, I don't know what it was. It definitely wasn't. You know all the cool characters and the fatalities and stuff like that. Cause I really dug that, but I never quite loved, you know, just like moving around like the stiff controls, the way the characters jumped. It was never really enjoyable for know? me. It's, it's not even necessarily stiff controls. It's like the animations are just bad and everything looks awkward. Yeah. Like after the first game where it was like mind blowing that they were using, uh, you know, that photorealistic Mo yeah. Yeah, motion capture, basically. which was awesome. And then all the way through, and I'm sure that game even has it where like you 
the way that the character transitions from a jump to like a dive kick. They just have like a stick stuff shoved in their ass the whole time. And <laughs> just, uh, yeah, not my favorite, but I mean, it's, it, it's nostalgic at this point. It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be mortal Kombat without that. Well, the sad thing is that nether realm games to this day still have that same level of jank. Uh, the animation still looks so weird and, and not fluid. And that's, I, I think never nether realm games are great, but, they have some work to do in the, the animation department for Injustice and Mortal Kombat, in my opinion. It's still kind of kind of janky. Yeah, it feels like like sometimes when I'm watching the motion, I'm like, oh, that character's moving really slowly. And then just like some animations just like super fast. And I'm just like, I don't I don't think that that was how that was supposed to occur. So and like when there's a there's a cross up, they will just be on the other side and then just almost like teleport around. And I don't know, it's just. There's something that's a little off. Yeah, that's all right. But I mean, they're they're still good, especially those those older Mortal Kombat games. I mean, once Mortal Kombat two came out and Mortal Kombat three, those were those were great games, especially in their day. And uh, just just being able to bring together all of the characters. And uh, did they have any like cool like extra modes that weren't in the previous games, or did they just bring everything together and smash it in there too? Oh, they brought pretty much everything together. I don't think the tag mode... The tag mode may have been an ultimate. But honest, they didn't I don't have, remember. like, an, an over... They didn't have, like, a story mode or anything like the new ones. It was just you went through the arcade ladder and, I mean, everyone had their ending. They have all of those, like, crazy, like, kung fu, test your might, and things like that going on. <laughs> they they definitely had that. They had the thing, like, where you could play... If you put in the right code, like in Mortal Kombat 3, you could play Galaga. Because it was nice. made by Midway. And then they had the uh, the fatalities, brutalities, animalities, babalities. They were all in there. That was back before you had to earn all that stuff. You had to go through the crypt. Go through the crypt or just pay for it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Although, I do I do like mo- modern Mortal Kombat games quite a bit. They're not bad. They're well done, that's for sure. Yeah. They're, they're really well done. Is that like your favorite Mortal Kombat game or is that a surprise? No, that is that's definitely my favorite Mortal Kombat game. There won't be any uh any Nether Realm games on this list unless something drastically changes here in the next few months and I said to throw one on here. We'll see how but that yeah, goes. It's gonna be the only Mortal Kombat entry. Well, it's a good entry for sure. It's a good game. Heck yeah, not as good as my next one though. We'll I see about think. that. I don't think so. I think you may be surprised how low this is on my list, because I know you really like this game too. Okay. Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven really? Stars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I agree. Your game is way better. <laughs> <laughs> it's surprising. My my taste in RPGs in general and games have changed over the years, especially RPGs. Yeah. Uh, but this this one I definitely hold hold very close to my heart. This was one of the very first RPGs I ever played, and the first one I ever played on my Super Nintendo. It was actually the first Super Nintendo game I ever bought, too. That's a good choice. Oh, yeah, it was. So this was the very first Super Mario RPG that started the whole, you know, Paper Mario series. It's hard for me not to argue that Super Mario RPG should be talked about as much as any of the other great SNES RPGs. But for some reason, I feel like it it gets the short end of the stick most of the time in comparison to your your Chrono Triggers, your Final Fantasy games, your Earthbounds. I don't think that's fair. I it, don't either. It, I think 
the only thing, the only knock you could have on it is it is it definitely skews toward the the easy side. It's more of a it's a lot more beginner friendly, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. No, I don't think it is, and I think it if they if that was you know part of their plan, I think that was a safe bet, especially if you're trying to get you know all of the the traditional Mario platforming fans into uh, an RPG. For Nintendo, you could argue that this was a little bit of a risk to go ahead and make this game. Um, yeah, to slap Mario's name on it. I mean, they could have easily just made an RPG with Square, had nothing to do with Mario, just you know made their own IP with, with Gino or Mallow or the other characters in it, and called it a day. And yeah, it still would have been a great game. Yeah, but the, the combination uh-huh. of all of it, uh, you, you could argue this is just another Chrono Trigger situation where... Uh, just a lot of talents came together to make one gem of a game. It's really a shame that they didn't, you know, Nintendo and Square had this falling out after this game because Square didn't want to develop for, you know, cartridge-based games so they get FMVs and, and whatnot. So we got kind of screwed out of a proper Mario RPG sequel because Square owned all the uh, the intellectual properties of the character, the original characters in the game. Like, you know, Smithy, Gino, Mallow, those were technically Square characters. So, we got screwed over. Which Gino is quite a loss, let's be honest. Yeah, who doesn't love Gino? Everyone's wanted him in Smash as much as they did Banjo. I'd have much rather had him in Banjo. Yeah, well, that's probably a hot take for a lot of people, but I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. So, Super Mario RPG, if you if you haven't actually played it, uh, it's a 3D isometric game um it it has a lot of platforming in the world exploring uh but it also has a very interesting battle system where much like the paper mario games it has a lot of reaction and timing based battle mechanics where you have to block at the right moment or when you do an attack or magic you hit the button or mash a, a button whatever it may be to power up the attack and get the advantage on the enemy yeah, timing is essential, especially I remember on the on just even just the regular attacks, you had to hit the A button at the correct time where basically you would do one attack if you hit the correct time, you get a double attack essentially. You get an attack twice. Yeah, and it's it, it sounds annoying, but it is amazing how much more engaging the combat is, especially with how quick and fast-paced it is overall. And the fact that the game isn't really grindy at all. You can kind of go through it at a leisurely pace. Like, I, I'm not someone that tends to grind. We're kind of exact opposite RPG players where you'll grind for days and I'll do the, the bare minimum to get by. It's a lot like Chrono Trigger in that respect, where if, I, if I'm not mistaken, and let me remind me if I'm wrong, are, are the enemies on the screen or is it actually random battles? Like, no, the enemies are on the screen. You just, it cuts to obviously like the battle screen, it goes like, you know, a tile black screen goes across and you go to the battle screen, but they're definitely um, on the overworld. And the transition from battle to exploration is super quick. Battles typically don't last more than, I don't remember them lasting usually more than 30 to 45 seconds at the most. Thrown in there, it says, like, the command over your character, you start putting in the inputs immediately. There's no loading since it's cartridge-based, so... Yeah, and there's a there's a lot to love. I mean, if if you want to play a charming RPG, I know a lot of people talk about you know Earthbound being the like I would call like the hipster take of RPGs is kind of Earthbound. Well, that, that's absolutely true. Maybe that's why I don't appreciate it as much as everybody else does. <laughs> it could oh, be. 
But Super Mario RPG was literally the probably the first RPG I ever played that did not take itself seriously almost at all. There's jokes all the time, some of them subtle, some of them in your face. And it, it's just it it's between the dialogue and the the wonderful animations between the characters. And there there's just a, a lot to love, especially if you're a Mario fan and you like, you know, square RPGs from that era. There, there's there's a lot to love there. Which now, if you like RPGs, you like square RPGs from that era because they're that's, great. That's right. Now, I have I have a feeling that this game is going to be on Buck's list. I'm going to put some money on that. So I don't think we should talk about it completely. I think we should save a little bit because there are some other things that I want to say about the game, but I don't want to ruin them all here. Yeah, we can definitely save more for later. It's certainly going to be uh, quite a bit higher up on my list. So we'll, we'll talk about it more then. Yeah, but in the meantime, go ahead and play it. And then yeah, it's on the SNES Classic, says. which is the, another great reason to, to buy one of those because yeah. it's a fantastic system with a ton of great games that are probably several of them will be on this list between the two of us. And I think you can also get it on the, uh, you know, the virtual, the virtual shop on the Wii. I think, I don't know. That's probably yeah, a good bet. I think the bet. Wii shop channel shut down. Oh, so well, then never mind. Actually purchase anything on there unless you have like Wii shop points. Which I don't know how you get those anymore. Yeah, the Wii U one still exists, I would assume. So. Which is a miracle in itself. Well, I did see a, a leak today, though, that it seemed like that they were um, had found someone data mined SNES games. I guess it looks like they're going to drop, which kind of everyone figured with the one year anniversary of the everyone paying for Internet on the Switch. So hopefully next month we'll get some SNES games. Yeah, that would be nice. It would be it would be nice to, you know, get your money's worth from that service. Yeah, it's nice. You're, you're not getting it as a smash player. I know that. No, it's I had I mean had my fun with Smash at the beginning. I'm kind of smashed out right now. If if the uh you know the net play was better, it might be on more. But yeah, got a little off top. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's all right. All right, Buck. So what's your next game? I'm gonna keep it in the the Mario realm, and uh, we're going to the good old '64. Probably actually the same year, I believe that. Mario RPG came out. Actually, no, this game came out in early 97, I believe. I guess probably just for nostalgia's sake, it's my favorite version of Mario Kart. And that's good old Mario Kart 64. And it's what we definitely spent the most time with. <laughs> that's for sure. Spent the most time with it. It is at the, the right time to have, you know, lots of people around and people playing it. And um, one of our buddies is ridiculously dominant at this game. Shout outs to Dell. That's he's a he's a monster. Yes, he is. But yeah, Kart 64 got so many classic tracks on there. The, you know, the movement to 3D, even though it's kind of the characters aren't 3D, but everything else is. I mean, it always kind of like playing. reminds me of like early cell shading. Almost. I don't know why. Like when I had when I think of it in my head, it's probably not true. <laughs> 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 or like or like like a pre-rendered character okay i can see that like maybe a that, pre-rendered... Maybe, that, maybe that's it i haven't i haven't booted up my 64 in forever i it's kind of i think closer to like the claymation look than it is cell shading but the cart 64 in your head must look pretty good so <laughs> well cart is actually one of the one of the better looking nintendo 64 games i, think, I agree i think it the... actually ages pretty good 
they didn't use all the at the time we thought it was kind of primitive because they didn't use full on 3d and looking back all like the the 2d ish or the pre-rendered things like we said ages a lot better than early 3d early 3d is rough yeah that's for sure yeah but what a what a leap that was from the snes title oh my gosh everything was was ridiculously epic rainbow road itself was huge you could take that shortcut right at the beginning if you sped off to the left and usually just went into the abyss but you could occasionally hit it got so many good tracks like said sherbert land i remember it's one of my favorites is that the uh, one with the turnpike yeah toad's turnpike especially in, a, in mirror mode when you're going backwards and the traffic's coming toward you oh thanks no yeah. thanks. That that sounds a little frustrating. But, that was yeah. One of the the best multiplayer experiences is get a group of people over, throw on some carts, especially if they're around uh, the same skill level, and there'll be a lot of a lot of curse words thrown around, maybe some controls thrown on the ground, a lot of people getting screwed over by blue shells. It's just ah, such a good time. Yeah, that was a that was a great title for them to release on the sixty four. I mean, that was the that was the multiplayer console to have that generation. Yeah, if you had people over, that's what I even said. I mean, back in the day, we talked about it back in the the late nineties, early two thousands. That if like you got people over, you're playing sixty four. If you're by yourself, you're playing PlayStation, pretty much. Yeah, that was okay. That worked out pretty good, at least for us. <laughs> for sure. But yeah, do you remember what were some of your favorite tracks? Well, besides Toad's Turnpike, um, <laughs> they had the Wario Stadium. Was that the first time they had that? Yeah, we could screw people over with lightning at the right time. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, Moo Moo Farm, I believe, was one. Yeah, it was in the, the second track period in the Mushroom Cup, I believe. Well, that's how, that's as far as I could get. Um, hmm. Bowser's Castle was annoying. I always hated that one. Yeah, I never liked those in any of Cup. those games. The newer ones, they're pretty freaking cool i'd say i'd probably have i mean eight is a great game and probably have it up there if i had you know the nostalgia wasn't there for having everyone playing on you know one console one tv yelling at each other throwing items and whatnot it's just not the same when you're doing with people across the internet well you also haven't played it on a kickstand with four players on a picnic table so you don't that's true you don't How know. Did you, you had four people on a picnic table? No, but, you know, the trailer for the Switch. I saw it, and ah, they looked really true. happy, and the game seemed to be running okay. Yeah, no, I, I have that game for my Switch. Same here. Play, plays really good, but it's cool I don't that, put like, any... I don't play it by myself, so... Well, me and my wife can both go online it. at the same time and race, which is kind of cool. You that can is, take two people online. Edit. Well, that's a cool. That's a cool feature. I'm actually amazed that Nintendo thought to do that, mm-hmm. since their online infrastructure is garbage. Yeah, you know the Mario Kart franchise is is a really strange one because I, I feel like they space out the titles just well enough that the the same formula doesn't get old. The games have not changed that much. No. I mean, Graphically, Dash they... was the biggest difference when they added two people and a, a few new mechanics when you could have two people drive one cart type thing. But yeah, and like typically like nobody said, talks about that one. That's Double not Dash the one. is super a, underrated. Yeah, no, I think it's a good. They're all good. There's not a single bad Mario Kart game. Even the one on the Game Boy Advance was pretty good. Oh, that one's world's better than the Super Nintendo one. Well, that's true. 
But the, I mean, the Super Nintendo one, I I could still go back and play that. But it would yeah, not be it would day, not be my first choice. It was choice. good. No, there's too many other ones. Plus, it's only two player. I don't think you could multi tap that one. I don't believe so. Yeah, uh, it's always it's always better with four players. Uh, just sitting directly in front of a TV, trying to figure out where they are. Yeah, the more the more bodies in cart, the better better off you are. The more people you have playing it. Yeah, because Mario Kart single player is kind of frustrating and boring. There, I've never seen a racing game with that much much of a rubber band functionality built into the CPU. It's it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, you're never but, out of a race. Yeah, oh. but. They, yeah, but there's definitely something very satisfying about just the racing mechanics in general, throwing a, a red homing turtle shell at an opponent and, and just winning the race at the at the last second. Uh, there's there's very few uh, racing games of previous generations or even now that quite quite capture what Mario Kart encapsulated in one game and one series. It's pretty good. That was a pretty good overview there. I'll, I'll take I, it. I do what I can. Good way to segue. <laughs> I suppose so. And we'll segue into a Dreamcast title. There we go. I know you've been waiting for this one because it comes up in the podcast a lot. And that is going to be a virtual on Ortorio Tangram. There we Yes, that is a that's a good game. That is a good game. I know we talked about it. Uh, did I talk about it in like my top five fighters Fighting or games? Yeah, one of our one of our episodes, I talked about it. And it's just a really good mech-based uh one-on-one fighting game uh three-dimensional i believe it was originally released at the arcades right uh it was published by sega because the first game this is the second game in the uh the franchise the first game came out on the saturn if i'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken yeah it didn't came with the uh the twin sticks he played with it in the arcade yeah that would be awesome to play it like that again i don't know if i ever got the opportunity though I never did. I actually got it. The original one uh, came with our compact computer. We bought back in like 96, I believe. It came with virtual on, and that's all I cared about because I knew it from, didn't have a Saturn growing up, and I was so hyped to be able to play it. And I got to play it on on PC first, which is kind of kind of unique. That does sound pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, the original game was pretty good. Uh, it was definitely cool for its time. Uh, virtual on... Uh, for the Dreamcast, just kind of, you know, uprose the graphics, added more detail, more action, faster pace, more characters. If you want, like, a really fast-paced mech battle game without all the customization of Armored Core, which Armored Core is a great series, I think Vir- I, I don't think you can do much better than Virtual On. No, and Virtual On plays worlds better than Armored Core, and I'm, I'm a fan of Armored Core, but it has the... Uh... The from software levels of janky tankiness. I don't know what you want to call it. They're robots. Almost realism. Yeah, the robots you, handle like <laughs> realism. Like you would realistic giant mechs. Yeah. Yes. Virtual on it is fast and like I forgot how fast it was. So like you said, we were podcasting uh, several months ago, and I went back and I looked up gameplay again. And I was like, because I was thinking it was fairly fast in my head, and I was like, that's just as fast as I remember. Yeah, and that was that was one of the main draws for sure. Just dashing all over the arenas. I remember actually, you got you were really annoyed because I, I, I don't know if I picked the fastest character, but I know you always got frustrated because I was more evasive than I was offensive. 
Yeah, because you just freaking run around. You're usually was it Viper? Was that uh, Cipher? Cipher. Yeah, the yeah. the purple guy. Yes, the effeminate. Yeah, he one. he was annoying. Yeah. Yeah. He's... Well, not like not like the true chick. I forgot what her name was. She had like the pigtails. Mm, yeah, I don't remember. I only remember a couple of the characters' names. Well, I liked I liked Raiden, and he was cool, but he was super big and tanky with huge lasers. He picked like the fastest guy in the game, so it wasn't exactly a fun matchup. Yeah, they just took me seven minutes to whittle down your health, and then I also <laughs> used uh, what was it? Uh, was it Barbados or whatever? The guy who would detach his his arms yeah, and his, his legs arms. and turn him into like floating turrets. Well, he had no legs. He just kind of hovered around. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, yeah, detach his arms. <sighs> Those are some I good characters like, there. Spesniff was cool. Is that the guy with the scythe? scythe. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think there was only, what, like 10, 12 characters in that game, but each one of them were very unique. And uh, it, it, it was tough to get bored uh, switching between the characters, and rounds were, were, were pretty fast. So uh, I will say that there wasn't a whole lot of single-player content, but, I mean, there never really was in fighting games back in those days. That's it was always true. like an arcade mode. And then a multiplayer uh, mode or two. And I remember too is also like like Tekken at the end of the round they'd always show like the killing blow in a replay, so that was always satisfying. You to see yeah. the very end happen. Yeah. So like when somebody's like, "Oh, what happened? What hit me?" and it's like, "Well, that hit you." Yeah, because so. sometimes you wouldn't know in this game because you could throw mines out there because you had there were four different attack buttons. Is that right? They did different moves. Yeah, Plus because like did you, you thrust with the L and R, didn't you? Yes. That's how you moved around quickly. I uh, think so. Aimed with the, the, I guess, the left stick. Yeah. You, no, Further. you auto-locked. It oh, was, that you, was? You basically, every time, I remember, because you would lock on, because I'd always jump up in the air, and that would, like, automatically lock me on. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it was really risky to do that, but it was it made it much easier to figure out where somebody was. Because there were different ways. I don't remember if L and R. I think because you. I think you could like hold down one of the buttons and then hit like you know A or X and then you did different attacks. Oh it, well, definitely. I think it was Y. Uh, it would do different attacks if you were in melee range. You busted out like a, a laser sword or whatever, and you yeah, did some really devastating moves. Yeah, because most of the game was played uh, at range. Yeah, for the most part. Depending if you on got like, it some close, characters. I was going to say some characters would specialize too in melee. So yeah, some of them, yeah. of course, want to get in close. Like I always like Spezniff and he had a, a huge size. So I always wanted to get in close. And then you're running around with Cypher trying to go to a time limit draw or take as much time as you can to kill me. What a good game. Man, that was a lot of fun. I actually thought it would be a little bit higher up on the list. I'm kind of surprised by that one, too. I kind of did, too. But man, there's so many games. I've played so many. Man, I was thinking, what do you got I'm, up on here I'm now? I'm virtual on at you this whole episode, man. <laughs> you are. Mario RPG, then virtual on. Good lord. Yeah, what's next? That's, I guess we're going to have to wait till next time, because I think that was your last one this week. No, I still have it? one more, man. So go one more. Oh, you you okay. should have two more. Let me see here. I don't think I... What did I talk about? I went first. Oh, I do have. I went yeah, first. I skipped one. Well, that's... Lame. <laughs> That's all right. Maybe you should go back to that one. Well, I am going back to that one. This was supposed to be 94 after Dash and Desperados, but they all, you know, it's, you it's close with all these anyway. So we're calling it we're calling it 92 anyway. All right. And, uh, it's a game that, that we played a lot together, actually. 
And, uh, well, that, the, that does not even narrow it down. <laughs> well, there's another reason to uh, to own your 360. Oh boy, that's a that's a handful of op- options. And uh, Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah. And the only game we could really enjoy music to. Oh boy, Beat Hazard. Oh, it's definitely Beat Hazard. Well, let's be honest. We could enjoy music to a lot of games. Oh, that's true. But it's the one that really lets you get intimate with it. Yeah, oh, because boy. I think the levels we... are based on music. Yeah, just randomly generated high-stakes asteroids. <laughs> yes, asteroids on crack, basically. Oh. And it's all done by the the rhythm of the song, or more specifically, I guess, the bass line, usually. Yeah, that seemed to to definitely take over in most in most games. <sighs> Holy crap! Playing Lifehouse, you would never expect this, but Lifehouse had some of the most ridiculous levels in that game. The bass in Lifehouse must be a a bass god or something. Topped only by Lord. Usher. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Usher was definitely up there. Confessions was surprisingly difficult. Ah, uh, yes. I thought it was Burn that was the hard one. I think he had several of them that were pretty hard. This is a lot of inside inside information about our gaming past. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, Beat Hazard, what what a what a game out of left field. Uh it originally came out for the the PC. I think it was out on Steam for probably a year or so before it ever came out on Xbox. What a genius concept. Yeah, just put all your favorite music on your hard drive, generate levels, keep high scores. It was kind of like the it was kind of like the shooter version of Rock Band, where it kept individual scores uh, for all of your tracks, and if if you had uh, the same tracks as your friends, it you know it would it would build out like a like a leaderboard, and you could compete for high scores and things of that nature. Or if you're like I did and had a bunch of burned CDs and you'd have untitled track, you know, one through 50. Yeah, that was always interesting to see what CD you were going to bring over next. And we just <laughs> burn it in and I'd just be like, what am I getting myself into? It always it's turned out pretty good, though. Discover music. Yeah, that's true. And I could go back to my 360 at any time and get reacquainted. <laughs> And also, too, it was nice, though, because a lot of my crappy burn CDs were, you know, the list of just tracks like 1 to 18. We'd have to burn them on the Xbox. We obviously wouldn't take time to to name each and every one of them. But you could listen to them at the very beginning. It'd give you a preview of the track, so at least you knew what you were going to be playing. Yeah, because we had a lot of track threes. (laughs) I'd have to go through. I want to find find the new 6 a.m. song. I know it's track four on one of these. You just have yeah. to go through all the track fours. Well, I mean, also, uh, it, it should be mentioned that outside of, you know, like generating different enemy ships and different bosses, uh, depending upon the song you were playing, as you were playing, especially in the original, this was the cool part of the original Beat Hazard, when the song was going on and it was it was soft and kind of like, I don't know, not real banging, if you will your laser guns coming out of your ship will be much weaker. <laughs> yes. But the ships coming, the enemies coming in will be much less prevalent, much less aggressive. But once the, the song, you know, like hits like a, I don't know, a guitar solo or a refrain or something like that, depending upon the song, it picks up a whole lot and gets really insane. 
it's just whoever thought of this concept was just literally a genius because you never knew you could play just a song you would thought would be you know a cakewalk on there and it could turn out it could be you know ridiculously epic yeah and i think i think one thing that's super cool about it, and and mind you this game and its sequel were created by one dude that's it yeah yeah really good idea the the levels that were generated i know how we we keep saying they're I feel like we've said they're randomized. Maybe I haven't, but they're not randomized. If you want to go back and replay a track and try to get a high score, it, re- it generates the same thing every time you play it for that track. But each different track builds out uh, a d- different waves of enemies and things of that nature. Very cool. Also, I, I remember depending upon the power ups that you get, you can power up your guns and power up your shields and get like little sub weapons like missiles and lasers. But the more powerful your ship got when you you grabbed these uh, items, the volume of the music would increase. That was only in the Xbox version. The PlayStation version, they removed that, which was lame. Yes, that was stupid. I don't know who was complaining about that. I always thought that was cool. Yeah, because who wouldn't? Who doesn't want Lil John yelling "Yeah" really loud instead of just at a normal pace? Like it's well, they, they they wanted that right out of the get go. They didn't want to earn it. Clearly, you need to earn that. You need to earn the Lil John. Yes. I can't disagree there. The the sequel that came out, I think it was earlier this year. It's got I mean, it's got a lot of of cool additions to it uh, that I, I won't go into. But I would say either one that you can pick up. Definitely worth your time. And it's not even an expensive game. It between 10 and 20 bucks, I'd say. I think so. I think it's around 10 bucks now. Is the sequel on modern consoles or just on? Steam? I don't think so. I think it's still just on Steam. Uh, I believe it may still be in like alpha or beta at this point. So I think so. you said you could link Spotify to it, right? Which is really cool. Yeah, that was the the big additional feature. Uh, yeah, that's you, nice. You can have Spotify going in the background. It will it will hear the song and it will like what's that app that tells you what song it's you're listening Shazam? to? Yeah, it'll like Shazam it and be like, boom, that's the song. And then it'll even keep high scores uploaded to the server from the Spotify information. It's pretty ridiculous. So I wouldn't even have to be called every, we wouldn't have 57 track threes anymore. Yeah, but I'd still want that. I'm nostalgic, <laughs> I'm nostalgic for that. Spotify is too much of a modern convenience. But yeah. I think that game is just one of the ultimate games where you just kind of, we just catch up basically on what was going on in life while we were just playing beat hazard and chilling. Yeah. It would usually be like the first like 30 minutes to an hour that we were hanging yep. out. Well, especially like that summer. I think that was like, that was past the summer. Cause that was, um, that was after college. So I summers didn't exist after that. Yeah. I want to say it was like, we're talking like 2011, 2012 after college ish. I was working the good old night shift at CVS. Good times. Thank Hell you. Yeah. Xbox live arcade. That was the heyday. <laughs> it was. Yeah. That's a, yeah. that's a difficult game to like, just describe overall. It is a very simple concept, but there's a, a lot of fun gaming possibility that comes out of it. And you're going to get as much out of it as you have basically interest in music. And it helps that we, you know, heard and listened to a lot of the same music. So that that made it better. That That's always better. Yeah, I think you can you can only play it up with to up up to two people. Honestly, I if you had more than that, I don't know if you'd be able to tell what's going on, because depending upon how you seizure. Yeah, how much you configure your settings, you can kind of change the amount of visual clutter going on. And of course, you want to max that out because it makes just like that 
that visual music trippiness that much more entertaining. Yeah, so. we maxed out the settings every chance we got. <laughs> yeah, it's much easier than Radiant Silver Gun. We found That's out. true. All right. Well, I guess I'll go to my last one then. And this is a game that we very frequently talk about on this podcast. Frequently talk very, about. Very frequently. People are probably sick of me talking about it. And it's not Path of Exile. <laughs> this is like you talk. It's not Marvel Infinite. Cause that'd be me. Yeah. No, it's Final Fantasy 14. Okay. Yeah. Shadowbringers kind of uh, brought it over the edge for me. It originally wasn't going to be on my list but uh the last few weeks that i've been uh spending with it it you know it's it's really enlightened me on how how good the game has gotten over the years and where i think it's really in a good place right now not just from like the story standpoint well that is very good but just like the amount of love that they've been like putting into the the jobs and and just the gameplay in general and how engaging the classes are to play i think uh i gotta give kudos uh, to to Square's Final Fantasy XIV team for uh, doing something really cool uh, for for MMOs, and I'm glad to see all of the success that they've they've been having recently, uh, potentially uh, dwarfing uh, World of Warcraft's player base at this point. It's very weird because it seems like it seems like Yoshi P and his team are just like a different entity than the rest of Square because it seems like they listen to everything the players say. And the rest of Square is just totally out of touch. Yeah, it's amazing that like they don't understand that. Like they don't see how much money 14 has got to be making now. And they're just like, well, we want some of that. But screw the community. I don't need that. I don't I just don't understand because like he has to be like the best director going. I mean, he's Square would really suck if it wasn't for for Yoshi P and 14 right now. Like they. I haven't enjoyed a lot of other things that Square's been up to in the past several years. And that's, I mean, they're probably were my favorite company for a while. They're definitely one of them. If yeah. not like the very favorite. Yeah. PlayStation one, PlayStation two. I mean, even the super Nintendo, they had a lot of good games like super Mario RPG. Oh yeah. Chrono trigger. I mean, final fantasy six, final fantasy five, four. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good titles and they, they just, kind of fell off the face of the planet once the playstation 3 xbox 360 came around well 13 was a mess 13 was a mess yeah and that's that's kind of where that all started but uh final fantasy 14 i I, i've said it a lot on the podcast it is it is a good game and i know that you've spent a i don't know if you've spent more time with the game than i have but I feel like you've probably played it in a more traditional sense than I have because I'm such a an altaholic with the game and you've kind of honed your time with it and spent more time with the the story of all the expansions and thing like things like that kind of uh, given it its fair due. And I uh, at certain points paid my way through it because I couldn't yeah, deal with all of I that anime say... filler. <laughs> yes, skipping the filler. I would say just because of that, I have. Uh, spent probably more time with it but like you said i don't have any alts but i also did do the uh the zodiac relic quest which probably took like 80 to 100 hours while it's cool and nice to have the good old shiny glowing yellow weapon it kind of burnt me out on the game too so that's also not cool yeah that's fair you, you still at this point haven't put much time into shadow ringers i know that no i did just um move the just moved the PS4 actually from the living room to the bedrooms. We've been spending a lot of time in there because my wife's pregnant and she's been um, sick a lot. So then 
a lot of time in there, so it might be getting some some more time with that soon. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. real good. I've been uh, I've I've still been working. I've been working on so many classes or jobs, I should say, at this point. I haven't made any progress in the in the story since probably like I don't know a week after the release of it because I've just been leveling different jobs and just seeing seeing which ones I want to play, see what new skills they added. Uh, that that's just that's one of the things that I feel is just like really separates fourteen from any of the other MMOs I've played, especially WoW. Is just the amount of abilities each class has by the time they get to high levels and just like kind of the complexity that comes with those and just the flashiness of combat in general. It's very engaging and not representative of how boring the game is for the first That's the 50 to part. 60 levels sometimes, depending first, upon your literally... Hundred hours of the game is a slog, and that's a long time to put in before you get a good reward. Yeah, that's my biggest issue with it. Had I not, you know, bought the the skip potion to get past that, I don't think that I would have given the game a fair shake because I respect my time a little bit more than that, especially at the time I was playing it then, um, and especially now, now that I have a a baby. Uh, to take care of i definitely don't have a lot of time so that part of it is definitely an issue but uh, i'm sure that you probably saw the news that they're actually working on condensing a lot of the at least at least the realm reborn the first expansion but probably a lot of the other expansions to make it easier for new players and people leveling alternate characters to get from uh, the beginning levels to end game I think that's genius, but I also think give it a few years and people are going to be like, we want 14 classic. <laughs> well, maybe they'll give you the option. Maybe. I wouldn't want it, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, right. No, I understand. And, I, you know, some people are, are just really into the story of the game and the story is is fine. Um, the story is really good for an MMO, but as far as for a regular RPG, and again, I haven't put a lot of time to Shadowbringer, so I'm not going to say anything, but like, for an MMO, it's by far the best story that I've played. For a regular RPG, it's it's probably... I mean, Heavensward was really good. Stormblood wasn't as good, and I didn't think A Realm Reborn was great. But for an MMO, it's about a 10 out of 10 for story. For a regular RPG, it's probably like a 7. The story is good, but some of the, the gameplay in between those story beats, especially post-expansion, uh, some of the, those strings of quests that... It's real monotonous, but yeah, I mean, a lot of MMOs quests, have that issue. So the hundred quest in between a realm reborn, the realm reborn in Heavensward is ridiculous. Yeah, that was my uh, that was my choking point, for sure. Yeah, I can I can see why. <laughs> but when when they say that, I don't even necessarily feel like you have to do go to the end game to really enjoy it. Um, every time I get like a character to you know max job level. I tend to stop playing that level that that character or that job and level another one because I like the uh, the process of of leveling them up, running through dungeons and just seeing like what new skills they get and trying to figure out the combination and how the rotations change throughout the lifespan of the classes. That's kind of what I enjoy. Well, it's also nice that unlike WoW, you can just have all your your jobs or classes or whatever you want to call it on one character. You don't have to create, you know, 10 different characters and go through the story every time. Yeah, that's nice. And it's, it's much quicker to level them up. 
And the one thing, like you said, um, time you get to, you know, level 70 or for sure now level 80, uh, all the abilities keep adding on and stacking on top of each other and gets more and more complex and rewarding. Whereas WoW, it gives you, it gives you a lot of options, but all your abilities actually take some abilities away and things. They don't necessarily stack with each expansion. You don't have more things to do necessarily. Just kind of like, you don't feel that. Like you're getting stronger, I guess. To no, me, in WoW, no, like you not since 14. Legion. Legion was the only time I ever saw that happen. It, and I'm more of a modern WoW player. I started in Mists of Pandaria when the game was already in its downhill fall from grace. There's a lot of skills that aren't that useful, and you only have your rotations tend to be like I don't know four to seven abilities. And well, there's Final also Fantasy- they always they always had that options where like you would get like a, an option or like a skill tree where you pick from one of three abilities, whereas in 14, you get all the abilities. Oh, right. You're talking about the, the talent tree. Yeah, it's I guess. Sort of a tree. Yeah. Ish. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't, uh, you, there's not a lot of choice in 14. Uh, the characters are pretty much static. You, and all you do is at the end game is just grind higher item level equipment, which is, you know, what you do in all MMOs. <laughs> but uh, the the complexity of the rotations and the different abilities is is pretty engaging. Plus, just the mechanics that come with all of the different uh, you know late game uh, bosses and dungeons are you know, they're pretty engaging for the most part. Uh, but yeah, I mean after you do it one or two times, it does tend to become you know that grind that uh, all MMOs eventually get to. So it just depends how you want to enjoy it. So you can go through the story once and then just level up jobs with your friends or whatever. I think that's perfectly okay. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm going to have it. It's going to be probably a little bit higher on my list here. It will. It is going to be on there because I also do really enjoy 14. So we'll be speaking a little more about it in the future, too. Indeed. Well, we'll probably talk on it, talk about it every other podcast like we always do anyway. So that's true. In between, we're going to have a podcast about retro gaming and somehow 14 is going to get in. So. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Buck. You got one more game left. What I we, do. What are we going out with? We're going out with a, an NES classic. Oh, boy. And one that needs to get ported because it hasn't been ported to anything. And it's like 150 bucks these days to get the actual cartridge of it. The finest Mega Man clone money can buy. Bucky O'Hare? Yeah, Bucky O'Hare. That this game. is one I haven't played. You actually, you haven't played it at all? No. You never okay, let me so borrow it. You said I was too much of a scrub because it's one of the hardest <laughs> games you've ever played. It's really freaking difficult. And it's a, a good old Konami game back when, you know, they, for Pachinko and Yu-Gi-Oh, when they still made quality games. It, it plays, basically, Bucky O'Hare has a gun. It, it plays just like, a lot like Mega Man. The level design's fantastic. It is ridiculously hard. And at the end, you have like branching paths you can pick between like one of four planets at the start because all his friends got kidnapped. You got to rescue them. And once you rescue them, you can use them and their abilities as new characters. So there's, let's say, you go to like the frozen planet, you rescue, you know, good old Dead Eye Duck. And then he has like, a, he's got like four arms. So then you can shoot, you know, multiple projectiles and things like that. And then, like, there's a little, I think the dude's name's Blinky with one eye. And he has a jet pack. So they all have different, like, uh, platforming sections where, you know, different characters are needed to get through it. 
I mean, it's Mega Man esque, but instead of powers, you get actual new characters, and you just swap them by like hitting the select button, and it's just a freaking epic Mega Man esque clone game. You even have like a a charged up Buster shot. You got, I think you have six characters at the end you can switch between, and then you get like power ups through levels. So they stack on the characters, you know, indefinitely. So if you get like a a life up thing, then Bucky O'Hare himself will constantly have life up. But if you switch to, you know, the psychic rabbit Jenny, then she has like two hits and she'll be dead. Okay, so, so there's kinda... there's some strategy there uh, to figuring out how you want to space out your power-ups because you could just use them all on one character and and then you'll realize um, that you need another character to to face a certain boss or something in like two hits and they'll be dead so yeah you can you can build really bad and it can make for a tough game that's pretty cool yeah i didn't know that yeah if anybody doesn't know what <laughs> bucky o'hare is i think maybe if we should talk about that a little bit kind of like a saturday morning cartoon kind of like take on Star Fox a little bit before Star Fox was a thing. Yeah, it was, yeah, 1990 or 91, I believe it came out. And yeah, it was him and all his, you know, anthropomorphic friends. So Were they aliens or were they just talking animals that could fly spaceships and shoot guns? I think they were talking animals that went around and in space. I mean, basically Star Fox ripped them off. Probably. Although, now yeah. that I think about it, the duck has an eye patch and four arms, kind of like Goro. So, <laughs> I Maybe. don't think that, that was specifically a ripoff. <laughs> Maybe that seems, that's that seems like a stretch. Maybe that's an alien too. I was just could... thinking, not a Goro ripoff. Maybe they're aliens. Cool, because too there is like all these animals. So there's there's Bucky the rabbit. You know, the duck is dead eye. Uh, Jenny was like the psychic. I don't even know what she was like fox or rabbit thing. And then there was a blinky that was a one eyed robot. And there was just a kid named Willie who was just like a, a blonde haired kid with glasses that didn't have any cool ability. Well, he was just there so the the kids watching the show could relate to somebody in this extra unrelatable scenarios that were going on. I could relate to the, the duck with four arms to tie patch. Uh, no doubt. But yeah, that was a, that was a cool show. And, uh, God, was that the only game that ever spun off of that? No, they actually have a, a really good arcade game also made by Konami in their their heyday of making, you know, good arcade games and it plays um kind of like the uh the X-Men arcade game or like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, except I think it's like the sprites are well, I mean that one is obviously phenomenal, but the sprites are like super large. Oh, okay. Kind of like I remember the X Men one, except I think Bucky fires a gun. It was cool. I know I did. I did emulate that one. It was a good time. Yeah, I haven't played that one either. Clearly, yeah. I I need to catch up on my Bucky O'Hare. Obviously, you're failing on both of them. I know. I need to put fourteen aside and catch up on those. Because yeah, I've heard yeah. A, I've heard a lot of good things about the the NES game, and definitely uh, definitely a lot of words of how difficult it is when we say it's difficult this was difficult in comparison to nintendo games yeah this is nes hard like yeah difficult against its peers yeah it's not like ninja gaiden too hard no it's not like yeah not like that or like ghouls and ghosts hard or battle goblins i think battletoads is the pick of the litter there i I may be wrong maybe a hot take (laughs) 
it's, it's definitely up there. Yeah, but that that would be a, an interesting game to. I need to emulate that one. Yeah, it might be something I do tomorrow afternoon. We'll see. We will see. Yeah, so that that's a, that's a pretty cool ten games. I gotta say, some surprising ones. Yeah, definitely. We has a lot more, a lot more varied than last time. You didn't have two Castlevanias and two puzzle games. Hey, I thought that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. It'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, uh, how the rest of the the list progresses, especially on on your side. I know you're you're still making some last second adjustments there towards the top. I think I have mine nailed down, but I, I I have all my games nailed down. I believe, unless something you know magically, I have been playing a few games that I've been enjoying quite a bit. Unless something sneaks onto the list. Yeah, I, I thought about a game right when we were talking during this episode. I was like, oh my god, I didn't put it on the list. I need to. <laughs> yeah, it's, I feel like that's gonna happen. Sometimes we're gonna get further down, or one of us is gonna remind us something like, ah, oh, completely forgot about that. Got to add it. But I'm not going to re- retroactively remove Kirby's Avalanche from the from the list. All right, Buck. So where can they find us? You can find us on Twitter. We're at BuckChuckGaming. As always, just leave us a, a comment. Let us know what you think of the podcast. And you can uh, we'd love for you to count down with us on some of your favorites. We're also, uh, of course, on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes. So leave us a review, subscribe, all that goodness. Those are all the best ways to get a hold of us. Uh, like you said, you know, if you want to do, uh, you know, your five list in uh, conjunction with how we're doing it, or just do a, a top five list, share what games uh, you really like, uh, which ones, you know, even just from different consoles, whatever it may be, uh, we would love to hear that because I know that everybody has a different opinion. They grew up in different uh, generations. Because I mean, we we grew up primarily in the the PS one, PS two days if you will. So I'd say Super Nintendo also. Well, that was more for you. I, I got That's into gaming true. a little bit later than that. I, I adopted the Super Nintendo much, much later. That, that corrupted you. So. You used to read all the time. Yeah, that was that was something. That was something. <laughs> now I just like flat out don't. But yeah, yeah. Let us know uh, what games you really like. And, uh, and we'll keep uh, coming at you guys with uh, 10 more games at a time until we get to the uh, top spot. And as always, I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And you've been listening to the Buck and Chuck game. (laughs) Buck and Chuck. (laughs) All right. I think it's uh, the Buck and Chuck gaming connection, if I remember right. And you've been listening to the Buck and Chuck gaming connection. Thanks, guys.